Working Interferences is intended for mature audiences. Since the hosts never grew up, someone needs to be the adult. Welcome to Working Interferences with Josh and Lance, the dental advice podcast for the average dentist. Here is Josh and Lance. Bros, what is up? Welcome to the Working Interferences Podcast, a dental advice show. I'm Joshua Austin. And I am Lance Timmerman. Lance, I'm back. You're back. Thank you. Black. Thank you uh, to you and to Clint for the couple of weeks of, uh, of off time and, and filling in. I appreciate what he did. I appreciate you putting together the show. For sure. For sure. I hope I did you proud. Yeah, you did. And I, and I appreciate it. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I, I guess I should just kind of tell the story of what happened. Um, okay. I guess a lot of people probably don't, don't know. And that's, that's okay. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, my brother-in-law died. Um, Andrea's brother, Glenn, um, who I've mentioned on the show a lot. Um, his mm-hmm. wife listens to the show. Shouts to Aaron, uh, who's a dental hygienist in the Dallas area. Hmm. Um, Glenn was 43 years old and you're not going to like when I tell you what the cause of death was Lance. I can handle it. It was an undiagnosed cardiac arrhythmia. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh? (laughs) Yeah. All right then. So, um, um, you know all that all that stuff you've been doing. Um, keep doing it. Make sure you stay on top of it, because you just don't know when literally yeah. your heart is going to just stop beating out of nowhere. And um, that's what happened. Um, it was I don't even know the date. Let me see if I can even figure out the date. How do they determine that? I mean, I don't know anything really. Yeah, so let me see if I can figure out dates here. I think it was des- the night of December 4th, which was a Friday night. I'll, uh, I I apologize for like sort of the iffiness on this just because of like the last three weeks are just like this weird blur. Sure. Um, no. yeah. Yes, yeah, that would be correct. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 4th. Um, so he was at home with his girlfriend. Um, and he had been hanging a shelf or something like that in another room. Um, and it was late and I guess they'd ordered a pizza or something earlier that night. And so he like sat down and he had been working on the shelf for a while and like sat down and he was arguing with his girlfriend about something. I don't know what. And, um, she was going from room to room doing something and he just stopped talking. And she thought that he was ignoring her. Um, And so she kind of carried on what she was doing um, and didn't realize for a few minutes that he wasn't breathing. We don't know how long. Um, She isn't exactly one of those kind of people who's like solid with a detailed count by count information and like retelling. Like she's, I'm trying to figure out really nice ways to say this. Um, 
she's just not that kind of person. Yeah. And she's probably the last person in the world that you would want handling a medical emergency. Because when she did figure out that something was wrong, mm-hmm. um, she decides she's also, by the way, a paralegal. Uh, so she's not in the medical field. She then goes rummaging around her apartment looking for a blood pressure cuff. What the fuck she thought she was going to do with that, I have no idea. Like what? Once she figures it out, finds it out, puts it on, and there's like <laughs> no pulse, right. um, she then calls 911. Um, 911 tells them to tells her to get them off the couch onto the floor and do CPR to which she says, I can't. So she said she didn't know how to do CPR and that she couldn't get him off of the couch, um, and onto the floor. Now I don't care how big someone is. I don't care if I'm a hundred pounds and they weigh 200 pounds. Like I'm going to figure out a way to get that motherfucker on the floor and I'm going to do whatever semblance of CPR I know how. There's this thing called YouTube. I'm sure you could pull it up very quickly and yeah. get something. I thought everybody was required all through life to be... Uh, apparently, paralegals, I guess it doesn't come up. <laughs> but I remember in high school. It, okay. I yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, EMS gets there and does... Uh, at this point, he's not breathing and he has no pulse. Um, EMS gets there and does 15 minutes of CPR. They get a faint pulse. Um, they get them load them up, loaded up. They get them to the emergency room or emergency room, um, gets them somewhat stabilized. But at this point they have no idea how long his brain was without oxygen. So they start the process, they get them stabilized, they get them ventilated, and then they start cooling him down to like 34 degrees, right. To like minimize brain damage. Um, and so he stayed there for like 20, 36 hours and then they started slowly bringing them up. So this was going into like Monday, the seventh was when um, they like the after that afternoon, they start trying to like raise his temperature. Um, and as they raise his temperature, they're hoping to see like EEG activity and things like that. Um, and they don't see a lot. Um, and in fact, it looks like the swelling is kind of getting worse in the brain. Um, and so then the next day they do another ekg um and they find like just in a large heart um his um i forget what they the there's some kind of ratio like ejection ratio or something like that i can't remember what it is my mind's foggy um and it's just way out of whack. And so basically he's just kind of in, in congestive heart failure at that point. Like his heart never really came back after the arrhythmia episode. They were never able to get it like back on a normal, on a normal beat. So then at some point on Tuesday, the eighth, Andrea and her family had to like make, you know, the worst decision in the world. And that was to take their 43 year old brother off of, of life support. And he passed away like, um, I don't know, probably five minutes after that. So 43 years old, um, just, you know, just a real heartbreaking tragedy and, uh, you know, kind of one of those things is just really difficult to explain and justify. And, right. you know, I don't know, like I've, I've always been ever, like ever since my dad died mm-hmm. when I was 10, I, I was raised in, I was raised in, uh, a, a, a pretty, I don't even know what, to, like a televangelist church. Um, it was called Cornerstone Church. It's still here. 
Um, the guy who's the, the head preacher is like on the history channel and shit like that all the time. His name is John Hagee. He's a real fat piece of shit. Um, and it was just all like fire and brimstone about, you know, hours and hours of how you're going to go to hell for all these horrible things you do every week. And, you know, it's just what he was. And my parents, for some reason, like, I guess both being raised Southern Baptist, like love this shit, couldn't get enough of it. And I just remember like <laughs> when my dad died, he came to the house. Um, and I remember him just telling me it was all part of God's plan. And I just remember thinking, even at 10, my, my initial, I distinctly remember thinking, fuck that plan. Exactly. <laughs> that plan sucks. Yeah. Uh, and so again, I've heard, I've heard a lot of that about, about God's plan and whatnot. And again, fuck that plan. Like fuck any plan that, that involves yeah. um, taking a 43 year old, uh, you know, otherwise healthy, healthy guy, um, you know, away from his family. And uh, it's, it's just, it, it's hit me really hard. Number one, uh, having to watch Andrea go through this and mm -hmm. really having to be kind of the quarterback of this decision-making for her family in this, it's been really hard yeah. on her. Her and Glenn were very, very tight. And Glenn and I had gotten to be really tight over the years. Um, and we had texted a few days before. In fact, it, the last time I was on the show, we had talked about jury duty, right? Right. And Glenn was an attorney. And so like that week before he and I were talking about how to get off of this fucking grand jury. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and, you know, he just, he, he loved gangster rap. That was his thing. Oh. And so he loved nineties gangster rap specifically. Wow. Um, okay. And so like, he, even in, like he would always weave shit like that into his, his, like his legal advice. And so he's giving me this legal advice and he's just like, remember dog fuck the police you know like if they get you up there and they're asking you questions like defund the police fuck the police uh -huh. black lives matter like all that you know all of that stuff that's sort of like considered anti-establishment yeah. those are all things that like they don't want no attorney would want you on a grand jury if if you held some of those beliefs yeah. and so For sure. um you know that's just sort of that was always his style and um you know he was just god he was just a he's just a good dude. And I'll, I'll just, I will literally miss him forever. And it's, it's just heartbreaking, man. It's just really heartbreaking. And you know, it would suck any time of year and it just sucks even worse right now, Sure, you know, for it to be happening around Christmas. So, you know, all, all I can tell all of you is the first thing I will tell you. And Lance, I think you, you can attest to it is like, you know, you felt a little sick when you went through that, right? Like you had, you, you, you had some stuff, right? It was like something told you that you needed to take your blood pressure, right? No, actually I didn't feel anything. Uh, I just was making sure my equipment worked okay. because I got a new power cable for my uh, pulse oximeter. And so I wanted to make sure I had to use a different brand or, you know, yeah, my pulse oximeter is old. So I bought a replacement and shit, this thing doesn't work. Well, then even more scary as, as you just don't know, you know, and so right. um, you got to go get your physicals, man. All of you, you got to go get a physical. You got to go get, you know, an, an EKG every year because um, you, you just don't know, you know, and, and you know, it, it, it's just I, I don't want that to happen to anybody else. So anybody else have to deal with that, you know, and, and right. I'm not definitely saying that, hey, if he would have gone and gotten a physical last month or whatever, it would have saved his life. But right. maybe they find this thing, you know, maybe exactly. they see it. Maybe they see something on it. Maybe they, mm -hmm. you know, get him to a cardiologist and get it treated before it ends up in this. So that's that's number one. Um, number two is if someone tells you to do CPR, fucking figure it out. Yeah. 
you do whatever you have to do, you know, to, even to shitty CPR is CPR. It's better than nothing. And, 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 you know, I, I've been a real asshole in, in our CPR, uh, classes. Every we do it like every, uh, every other year or whatever. It's right. like good for two years. So you have to, so to get our license, we just do it all the same day, bring in the same guy. And I always say the same thing. And it's, it's in retrospect, it's so dumb. Um, it's always, oh, if, if I'm the one that's giving them CPR, they're already dead. Right. And, and I don't feel that way now. Um, because had someone found him earlier, had someone been paying some fucking attention, had someone done what EMS instructed or, or the 911 operator instructed and started CPR, like who knows where we are today, you know? Um, so if you don't know it, learn it. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel comfortable enough doing it, fucking figure it out. Like <laughs> it just, it's one of those things that something would have been better than nothing. And to just sit there and scramble around looking for a fucking sphygmomanometer for some stupid reason. Um, I, it just, it, that will, I, that, that thought will never leave me of if either Andrea and I were there, maybe all of this is different. And, and so that's, that's the second thing. The third thing, I can't go into a lot of details on it. Okay. But um, I will over time, please make sure you have a will. Please don't leave it to your family to have to clean up that mess as well. Because yeah. it's just not something that your family is going to want to deal with after they're going through this. And yeah. um, so if you, you use this opportunity and like, if this is going to be a learning lesson for, for anybody, um, it's just to make sure that like your estate is planned, your things are in order. You know, it's, it's notarized by the right people. It's signed in the right color ink, all of that stuff so that there's not any, any issues. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, that's, it's just, it's so important. And, and he was up my ass last year at Christmas time. Um, when he was here last Christmas to do a will, we got to do your will, got to do your will. And we did it. And, um, you know, it's just like the dentist who, you know, never gets a cleaning. Like I'm guilty of that. Right. Like I'm always last in line when it comes right. to that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with attorneys and wills apparently. Um, and that, that, uh, that now, you know, this is something, you know, that we're gonna have to deal with. And so get your state in order, get your affairs in order. Um, you know, because you, you don't want to just leave this wake of, of this behind because it, it changes the way that grieving happens, you know, when you have to deal with this stuff. So you don't want to leave, leave that behind. Um, and then fourthly, um, man, fucking call your kids, call your parents, call your brothers, call your sisters, call like that friend from college and talk to in a long time. And just like, tell them hello, tell them you're thinking about them, catch up with them. You know, that person that you've been meaning to or, or thinking about wanting to get in touch with, because you just don't know like when you're not going to have that opportunity to do that again. Um, and that's a hard thing to live with, you know, and, and it, yeah. even me who had talked to Clint like the week before, you know, um, but I think about, you know, all the things that I would have liked to have told him, you know, if I knew that that was the last time we were going to talk. Um, and that's just one of those things that I'll, you know, that I'll just, I'll always have that with me. You know, I was like, man, I just wish I would have told them that I love them like a brother, you know, um, and I'll never have the chance to do it. So, 
um, reach out to whoever it is. You know, I think everybody, when they hear that kind of has somebody that like their, their mental Rolodex flips to a certain card and they think like, oh, this is the person that I should, should reach out to. Um, just do it, man. Just do it. Just pick up the phone, send them a text, send them a message, whatever it is, and just catch up because you just don't know when you're not going to have that opportunity again. That's a shitty feeling. It's a real shitty feeling. So. Man, what a real fucking bummer, huh? Of a of an opening to a comedy podcast. Yeah, this is the funniest episode ever, right? I told you, I think I told you like that week that it happened, the 7th or something like that. I was like, dude, I there's there's no chance I can be funny. Um, oh yeah. And I still don't think I can for a little while, so you guys are just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. Um no problem. I I get and, and I'm sorry Christmas is not going to be fun for a while. Well, Thanksgiving was my grandparents were killed in a fire when I was 10 on Thanksgiving. And so, uh, yeah, for the longest time, um, didn't like going to barbecue. Um, so, uh, eventually got over it. I, uh, like a house fire. Yeah. Yeah. House burned down. Which maternal or paternal? Paternal. Yeah. Yeah. So we were pretty close to him. Well, I think I was only 10. So, yeah. Yeah, but any ten year old's pretty close to grandparents, I would say. Yeah. They were the ones that lived nearby, so we saw them Sunday dinner. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it it I I it was years of holidays that just weren't the the best, but all part of God's plan, man. That's right. <laughs> it's the bigger picture. You just don't understand. Yeah, you just don't understand why he would want to roast people good good God fearing people alive. It's all in his plan. Who who are we to question it? Exactly. Jesus exactly. Christ, fucking televangelists. I, I, I swear, every time I talk to my mother, about, like every time that subject comes up, I'm okay. just, I just, I, I get angry with her. Like, what, what did you see in this fat piece of shit, John Hagee? Like, what, <laughs> what, what was it that you liked? Like, how did you, you guys gave this guy 10% of your money? Are you insane? Like, how you gave this guy time? Like, what, mm-hmm. you, you, you contributed to this flock of, he lives in a fucking $10 million home. Um, he's a COVID denier. He's, you know, he's just the, the, the he's a biggest piece of shit. And you guys were all over him. Like, what the fuck were you thinking? Um, I, you know, I, I, it just, I saw a post recently and I, not to get off on like an atheist tangent or whatever, but I saw a post recently that was like, uh, growing up, I thought, taking the Lord's name in vain had to do with uh, like saying, God damn it or whatever. Um, and there's just like a picture of Joel Osteen and it's like, <laughs> no, like these are the guys that take the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a hundred percent true. So, yeah. well, they, um, they, everybody needs a, a, you know, Gulf stream and sure. Yeah. Multiples. Right. And a fucking yeah. helicopter and, Fuck yeah. and, and, and a $15 million estate um, multiple, you know, and all tax free, by the way, well, so you can serve all, God tax better. Free. Yeah. all God's plan. That's right. All God, it's God's plan for it to be tax free, Lance. That's right. I'm still in the anger phase. Yeah, I, you haven't noticed. It's going to be a it. while. I'm still in the anger phase. I'm probably going to be here for a bit. My therapist was. Uh, I had a therapy appointment last week, last Monday, so it's pretty fresh at that point. Um, and uh, she was like, "You know, you may be here for a while. You may go through it really quick. So you know, everybody's different with with this thing, but." Uh, um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still pissed at a lot of different things and, uh, didn't think John Hagee was going to come up in that deal, but, uh, <laughs> he did. Oh, no. I had to, um, 
First off, uh, last on on Saturday, um, uh, what's that? Saturday the twelfth. Um, Andrew was still in Dallas at this point. Um, Glenn had died on Tuesday night, the eighth, so she was still, they were still kind of handling all the arrangements and whatnot. Um, and so I, I was at home working on something. I can't remember what I was working on, but the doorbell rings and I go to answer the door, and it's a florist. <laughs> And the florist has this arrangement of flowers. I'm I, like, I'm trying to figure out how to, it was about four feet tall by three feet wide and on like an easel <laughs> <laughs> that stood about as tall as me. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and so I like, Joshua Austin. And I'm like, yeah, like sign here. And so I signed and like, where do you want me to leave it? And I'm like, I guess just like right here in the entryway. <laughs> and so I get the card off of the thing, which is hard to do because it's like, it's, it's massive. It's the size of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like it's just huge. And I pull the card off and it was like, you know, thinking of you hang in there whatever lance timmerman oh, god damn it lance <laughs> this fucking flower arrangement was so big <laughs> that it like it literally it literally like took up a, a, a large section of the entryway of my home um <laughs> and i did not know where to put it or what to do with it um it, and it's uh <laughs> it, it's, i was just it, I was just pissed they didn't send it. I tried to get to go to, go to your office because I wanted I, you. <laughs> I have no idea where I would have put it at the office. Exactly. None at all. <laughs> yeah. And then they try to get it home where, you know, how that we stick it on a roof or. <laughs> the biggest. Oh, yeah. I would have had. I don't know how I would have. I would have had to rent it a truck like to get this thing home. It, it was so big. <laughs> and, it, and, and it like the entire house smelled like a florist. Um, because of this arrangement, that's how big this was. Um, and, and, and it's, uh, it, it, it was just, it was massive. And it was just like, this is just pure Lance right here. Um, and we appreciate, obviously we appreciate the gesture and I also Good. do appreciate the, uh, the unintentional intentional comedy of it. Um, which I, I, I thought was great. Yeah, I figured that needed. A, I, I I told you, I, I if it came in a horseshoe shape, like you know, for secretariat or something. Yes, I was I was gonna send that, but it wasn't an option. <laughs> um, I had. Oh, we did get some other uh, things. We got um, some flowers from uh, Laura and Michael from the Wondrous Agency. So shouts to them uh, for a really nice arrangement. They also uh, made a donation in Glenn's name to the American Heart Association, which was very, very, very nice. Um, Gina Dorfman sent a beautiful arrangement of flowers that lasts for like a year. I don't know. It's like roses in a box and I don't know how they engineer this deal, but, uh, they last for a year. You don't have to water them or anything. They're all sort of taken care of in this box. Wow. Um, there's just gorgeous. So, so, uh, Gina outdid you again, Lance, God and then your, your, your flowers will be compost and, and Gina's <sighs> will still be, still be kicking. Yeah. Uh, and and our friend Mina Barsoom from Chicago sent a very nice flower arrangement as well. So uh, shouts to to all, all of you, um, and we appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Um, I had to I had to MC the memorial service, Ugh. which is really difficult. Um, 
and Andrew asked me to do it. And my first reaction was, whoa, um, just because I, I was, I, she, she said she, and her, you know, and her, her family agreed that they didn't want someone who didn't know Glenn trying to, to do this. And, and, and that made a hundred percent total sense to me. Um, but then it was like an immediately an immense amount of pressure. Oh yeah. Um, because it's, it's, you know, that's a difficult speaking engagement. It's, you know, you, 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 at the end of the day, like really what I was supposed to do is, is introduce all the different people speaking. And there's probably four different people, um, doing different, different things. Um, his law partner, um, Andrea, uh, Andrea's sister, Nick did the, um, like read the obituary and we had his college roommate did like an opening prayer and a closing prayer. And so it was just bringing all those people on and explaining who they were and whatever. And, and, um, opening the service, closing the service, um, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, like you want it to be, you want it to be good and you want it to have some, some chuckle and some laughs, but you don't want it to be like, like, and didn't want to be like running bits, you know, yeah. what's the deal with fucking car washes? You know, like that wasn't like, you know, that wasn't, wasn't part of the deal. So it was, it was kind of a difficult note to strike in the middle. And of course I talked to Detola about it and he was like, <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I can help you much with this one. No. So, but, but we got through it and, uh, and, and I think it went, it went really well. And, um, it was funny. So, the he like I said he loved '90s gangster rap and so a couple of years ago I gave him um, a book written by my friend Shay Serrano, uh, rap and other things, um, and I had it signed by Shay and gave it to him um, and, along with the rap year book and um, that was like one of the most favorite gifts I ever gave him at Christmas and so I called Shay and told him kind of what happened I was like man like. You know, he loved your book. He loved the same music that your book's about. And um, I, I would, but I don't know enough about like '90s gangster rap to like be able to pull out lines or anything, you know, or, or, or quotes. And so he thought about it for a little bit, and he got me some stuff, which was really, really helpful. And uh, one of the things that he got me was um, this interview. So one of Glenn's favorite rappers was Ice Cube, mm-hmm. uh, and he loved NWA. And so, uh, Shay sent me this, like, I don't know, it's like a Ted talk or like an inside the actor studio kind of thing with ice cube. Uh-huh. And, and he, and, and they asked him a question of, of, about something. And I think it had to do with, uh, at the time it was police violence or something like that. And he said, you know, I think the, the worst thing you can do about a situation is nothing. Um, and so Shay gave me that video and he said, that line is really important. He's like, that line could be a, a good closing line. And so that's sort of, you know, the line that I used to close and told everybody, you know, like I said earlier, you know, call, you know, call people you love, tell them you love them, that, that sort of stuff. And and so mm-hmm. that really helped. And so shouts to uh, Shea Serrano and, and Detola for helping me out with that. It was um, probably the hardest speaking engagement I'll ever have to do. Um, I hope yeah. I never have to do one of those again. Um, but I'm glad that it was me that got to do it. You know, like that, that was a huge, huge honor. So, um, it was, um, it's one of those things I'm glad is over. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's over, but I'll never forget. Um, I'll never forget just that whole experience of, 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 of having to write that. And, um, generally I like writing and that was the least favorite writing I'll ever, I'll ever do. So anyway, 
Lance, this is an advice show. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we answer your questions. We answer questions you find on this neat little dental Facebook groups. We answer questions from Reddit. Reddit. We strive to help dentists and dental team members their own unique brand advice. So please, we need your questions. They are the sustenance we crave. You can submit your questions to workinginterferences at gmail.com. No, we don't want just any question, do we, Lance? Fuck no. We don't want a bunch of boring questions like, what's the best legal document? Because we all know that an actual real will is the best legal document of all time. We want the questions that Gordon Christensen cannot answer. Do you think we're in Gordon's will? Well, the odds are slim. I don't want to say... Yeah, that's there's no chance in hell. No. We should be. I'm not saying like we should get a lot. Like I'm not saying we should get any of his estate. But I would love to have like one of his ties. Oh, okay. That would be really rad. All right. Maybe or like one of his motorcycles. Okay. I like think one of those tricycle motor- motorcycles he rides around in. That would be um most excellent. <laughs> If you could have any item of Gordon's after he passed away, what what would it be? His periodontal probe. Yeah, <laughs> just have, like have it framed it like this probe belonged to. Yeah, sure. Gordon Christensen. Oh yeah, that'd be pretty rad. I would, you know, like if there was some way to authenticate that, you know, that would be yeah. that would be pretty cool to have a probe that Gordon used. Yeah, or a handpiece, you know, that he cut with mm. um, something like that. That's right. Yeah. It'd be cool. Like I, the the whole idea of like dental memorabilia isn't really a thing. Like other than John Lennon's tooth, do you remember that when that like that oh, went on auction yeah. a few years ago? Somebody bought like I don't know, like a yeah. number fifteen or something that was extracted on John Lennon. Like no way to ever know for sure that that was John Lennon's. Other than that, so you can extract the DNA out of the pulp and then clone him. Yeah, well, and then that's going to go bad, and now you've got like zombie John Lennon. Evil zombie John. Yeah. That, that's not a good day. No. Imagine all the zombies are here to eat you. <laughs> uh, that's a little more Paul, Paul McCartney. That sounds a bit Paul. Yeah. yeah. Um, question. We just have one question tonight because this is a okay. fucking bummer of an episode. Yeah. <laughs> Reddit user The Gutta Percha asks, and this is a fucking bummer of a question too. So, oh, wow. The Gutta Percha asks, other career options for dentists? Hello, everyone. I'm a dentist who has been practicing for a short while now. Back in school, while I was doing clinical work, I started getting this feeling that the work I was doing wasn't as rewarding and satisfying for me as I thought it would be. Not that I don't like helping patients, but the work is wrapped in a lot of stress and anxiety for me. There is a constant anxiety of whether or not I'm doing what's best for the patient. If I'm doing the work well, Etc. amongst other things that pop up here and there that add up to stress and anxiety. Now that I've been practicing, the feeling I had from school hasn't changed. I'm considering looking at a change of profession outside of drill and fill inside the office. Does anyone here have advice on what other career paths are available for dentists in situations like this? Thank you. And I hope everyone is safe and healthy during this time. Lance, what other career options are out there for dentists? Absolutely nothing. So just do something totally different. Go go work at Barnes and Noble. 
That's not yes. Let's leave the dental industry for the book industry. That's in a better. That's in a better position, I think. Overall, the is, same damn thing. is the book industry is just crushing it right now. <laughs> yeah, all magnets, um, right? Is it? Wasn't that what Fletch said? Ball bearings. Ball bearings. That's right. Yeah. All ball bearings. <laughs> Um, I, that's so no, that's not exactly, I mean, you said that's, you said there's nothing. That's not exactly true. There, there's no. things. And and that was why you were supposed to have some sort of degree before getting in to something to fall back on when you realize that, the, that this is, this career is sucking the will to live. Well, but I mean, how many people have a biology major? There's nothing to fall back on if you have a biology no. major. And I could be a high school teacher of biology and. Yeah. So I think yeah. that idea is like. I, I, that that may either be old school thinking and or something that just no one thinks about because I, I, it's I, I don't know. There's very few dentists I think who have a pre uh, an undergrad degree that they could fall back on to do right. Anything. Yeah, I um, yeah, I was when I first graduated, I was trying to figure out what my next career would be because I wanted to get the hell out of dentistry right as I started. Um, Jesus, but. Yeah, <laughs> polish wore off quick, huh, buddy? Yeah, well, I, it was in dental school when I realized, but I had to finish because I was already in debt and had is, nothing else to do. Is this your question? Did you are you are you the oh, gutta percha? I should be. I should be. Now, then, that's why they they said, okay, well, you got to get out. You got to sell. You got to this, but you you don't have enough skills to produce high enough to get out when you want to get out. So that's when I started doing doing a CE, and then I learned I actually like dentistry the the modern way to do it not the way dental school teaches to do it. So um, I hated it a lot less after those classes. So I, let's go through I, just as an exercise. Okay. Sort of what some possibilities are before we get into sort of where we're going to end up. Um, there's plenty of people who are dentists. So there's a guy in town who's a dentist and he got hurt. Like mm -hmm. his hand literally like, I mean, he, he really got hurt and it's, it, he has some, some problem with his hand or he can't like, he's got like the Bob Dole hand. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. And that's an old, that's a 1996 reference for anybody listening <laughs> who's, but Bob Dole was a Senator from Kansas who ran for president against Bill Clinton, the, the in Bill Clinton's second term. So Bill Clinton was incumbent president. He ran against this old man named Bob Dole. Um, and Bob Dole uh, had been in a war accident or a plane crash or something in Vietnam or Korea, Korea, I guess. And uh, he had an injury to one of his hands. And so his, his hand didn't work. And so he would just hold a pin in his hand uh, and he would never shake hands with that hand. He just held a pin in his hand. Um, and, and, and so that's kind of what happened to, to, to this guy here, here in town. And so um, he has he's the practice broker guy. You know, he, he is the guy in town. If you want to buy a practice or sell a practice, like you call Paul, Paul is the guy that you call. And, um, you know, so, so that's part of it. You know, you could certainly get into like practice brokering. The problem uh -huh. with that is that you, this guy's been practicing for like five months, you know, like, how are you going, like, how can you broker unless you have some kind of other background in finance or real estate or, or, so, you know, like that's, those are, that's kind of specialty sort of stuff that would take a lot of, of, of education on, but it's possible that you could, uh -huh. you could go into something like that, like some sort of dentistry related adjunct. Um, I know a few dentists, go ahead. The only ideas I can come up with are dental related, you know, it's in your, your wheelhouse. Yeah. And that's, you know, he, that's what he said he kind of wanted, right? Um, 
something other than being a dentist, but because I, I went, I went to a lecture. It was put on by Bisco. Um, and this guy had a problem, had to retire, but he was, I think, in his forties, and so he was lecturing on adhesives or something from Bisco. So his second career was still dent in dentistry, but yeah. Um, well, the, a, and the problem so. with that is is um, you you have to have done some dentistry to lecture about dentistry. Yeah. Unlike ideally, there's a, a restorative hygienist in the Seattle area um, who thinks he's he's hot shit because he's a, just graduated from dental school last year and thinks that he's a KOL. Um, <laughs> and it's like, bro, dude, you, you haven't placed a restoration that has more than two years of longevity yet. Shut the fuck up and sit down. Yeah. You don't even know what, how, how bad your shit is. Right. Hasn't had time to fail yet. But not, it, not, it'll like, not only that, you don't even understand the, you don't understand what you don't understand about dentistry. Like right. you haven't, you have, you don't know anything. Um, so unless you're going back into academia and mm-hmm. uh, getting involved in research or something like that, where you get, um, uh, you know, some, some significant, learning about the uh, hardcore sciences related to dental research and things like that. Um, that that seems like a tough road to hoe to say, oh, I've been practicing five months. I don't want to do dentistry yeah. more, so I'm just going to lecture about it. Um, that's going to be, a, that's me an uphill battle. Um, you could sell insurance stuff, you know, like you could sell disability insurance and things like that to dentists if you wanted to. Right. Um, it, it would take, you know, some some education as far as, all that terminology and all the legalese of all that, but you know, you probably would have an insight of saying, you know, I, I know a couple of people who who have worked like Northwest Mutual or whatever that that were dentists at some point, and most of the time, that most of the time, it's that they were injured and forced to do something else, right? Yeah. So they find these other things. Um, I mean, an obvious thing is you could go back to residency and find something, find something that you like, and then specialize in that thing. Sure. So that you're just doing the thing that you like to do. And after that residency program, I don't think you're going to have that same feeling about like, am I doing the right thing and all, you know, like you get all that out during residency, right? I feel like. So going back to school would be one thing. Going back to residency or to specialize would be one thing. Um, Going into some sort of dental adjacent field. It was in the comments that he said, um, I wouldn't mind staying in dentistry in some way. It's I wouldn't mind staying oh. within the realm of dentistry. That was in the in the comments. Okay. Um, but it's I think it's the hands-on treating of patients that is causing me stress anxiety with the patients, blah, blah, blah. Um, no, become a pathologist. You look at well, slides all day. Yeah, or or an oral radiologist or something like that, you know, where you're looking at scans and reading those. Like like so there's that possibility. But again, that requires going back to school. Sure. Um no matter what you do. It's going to have to be like if you go to sell insurance, you're going to have to fucking learn about insurance. Like, yeah, you know, like I don't understand like all those fucking words on a disability insurance policy. You know, like I don't understand any of that. Um, sure. The other possibility is go to law school and be a lawyer that specifically 
you know, represents or helps dentists and does dental related things. There's several of those. Uh, there's yeah. one here in San Antonio named Joe Waller. There's a guy in Houston named Boyd Shepard, went to dental school, then went to law school and they practice, um, of, they have very specific legal practices that, that have to do with just dentistry because they understand the dental part of it. So that's a possibility, but getting going yeah. back to school is part of that deal. You could sell yeah, forensics. Forensic dentistry, that way you don't have to treat a live patient. Yeah, so I've been, I have been watching a lot of forensic files. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I did find forensic files on Netflix. It's about 800 episodes of it <laughs> that are on Netflix. <laughs> they're in collections that are 50 episodes each, and there are nine of them. Um, so oh. I'm like on the second one of, of going through them. And some of them I've seen okay. before. But there was one, uh, quote unquote, the Snaggletooth Killer where one forensic dentist was like, sure that this guy did it. Um, but like just the shit didn't match up. And the, the forensic files episode is showing this guy is talking to the other, like the other side's forensic dentist. And they're like, man, they're like this, this, these teeth don't match. Like, I don't know what this guy's thinking. Uh -huh. And then the forensic files show like, Oh, they're at a dental conference somewhere. And the two guys run into each other. And the guy who's wrong tells the other uh, forensic dentist, I'm in too deep. I know that they don't match, um, but I've already testified and like, I just have to keep going with it. And so it's like this guy, like so this, whoever the accused murderer was like spent 11 years in prison <laughs> because of this one guy, like wouldn't say, oh my bad, I screwed that one up. I don't think it's that guy. So I'm not going to say that's without uh, consequences. <laughs> because <laughs> No. Um. But again, it's going to take education. Wow. Like we didn't learn anything about forensics in dental school, did you? No, no, hell no. And how often does that happen? I, I honestly have no idea. There's every 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 uh, freaking dental conference, every meeting. There's a, a course on forensics, um, and I think that people just think it's going to be the forensic files, and it's like. I think it's more along the lines of like, hey, the Twin Towers fell and now we have 3,000 corpses we need to identify. <laughs> I think it yeah, turns that... into a lot or a plane crashed and there's uh, 187 souls on board. They all died and we need to figure out whose remains are whose. I think it's a lot more of that than it is like, oh, we got to catch this murder. <laughs> you know, it's it's less Mindhunter and it's more, um, you know... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like, like yeah, not and not even Indiana Jones, like the yeah. minute work, like that movie with Charlie Sheen was digging through garbage oh. for. You remember that movie, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez? I think like I, Garbage I Man. Never saw it, but I I saw the. I don't think I ever saw it either. I just remember like the the movie poster. Yeah. Um. So I mean, forensics, yeah, as a possibility. C could you feed a family on it? Like, I, you'd have to be pretty good. You know, you'd have to yeah. be one of those. Like, we have multiple cases going at one time. Um, hey, I know somebody in, in South Dakota who, who claims to be a, a legal uh, expert on dentistry. That's, you can go there. So what happens when you get sued a lot? You become an expert. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could just sell like fucking Ivoclar shit or, you know what I mean? Like you could be a sales rep. Uh -huh. Yeah. I don't know as if it would make me want to buy something from somebody more because they were a dentist. It certainly gives you a little credibility when they start talking about the aspects of. Would it though? Would it product? be the opposite? Like, why the fuck are you here? Why aren't you cutting teeth? Like, what is happening? Wouldn't well, that I, be your thought? My thought would be, oh, I wonder what your disability is. You know, why aren't you a, yeah, a dentist? Wrong? Yeah, what's wrong with you?
Um, here's the deal. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. There's nothing you're going to be able to do that's going to out-earn dentistry. Right. There's just nothing. You have to just you have to you have to figure out get your shit together. Do take the Lance Timmerman route. Either go back to school, go back and do a one-year GPR or AGD residency and you know, get your confidence going. Or take the Lance Timmerman Timmerman route and take a shit ton of CE and get confident, stupid. As Troy McClure would say on Simpsons <laughs> in one of my favorites, get get confident, stupid. You just gotta get your confidence. Like I think this is kind of normal stuff for somebody like five or six months out of school. Yeah. I remember those feelings and yeah, CE was the answer. Now I've come full circle. I hate it again. So, you know, there's that. You hate, but you hate the people. I do. I hate so many people. Right. It's that's less of like, you worry much less about, am I doing the right thing for the patient? Right. Then is the patient a complete blithering idiot? There's a little bit of that too. Right. <laughs> um, there's just nothing you're going to do that's going to outer in dentistry. Just fucking get over it, man. Like you're, you're headlong into debt. There's no way you're going to be able to pay that back any other way uh-huh. than figuring it out, finding a mentor, taking CE, getting better, suck it up and do it. Like at some point it's going to get easier. I promise you it does. We all kind of go through this. You know, it's, it's like, um, it's like the chargers quarterback, you know, Justin Herbert, um, Mm -hmm. you know, he's got all the physical tools he's like thrown a few picks and he can't finish a game. You know, the chargers are like two and nine or something like that because, and they've been in almost every game. He just can't finish a game because it's just confidence is shot, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. he just needs reps, you know, you just need reps. You just need practice. You need reps. Um, that's the only way you're going to get through this is just to do it and, and just get over it. You know, um, the good thing, the good news is we aren't cardiologists, man. Like most of the time we're not dealing with life and death shit. Yeah. There's you know, no, nothing catastrophic that, uh, that we're doing. We're solving treatment plan, a full coverage crown instead of an MOD onlay. Is the patient going to die? Yeah. Who gives a shit? You know, like it's, it's, I mean, I'm not saying like, Let's be frivolous with it, but I'm saying like of the bread and butter dentistry that you're probably doing, it's there's not many things you're going to do that are going to screw anybody up. Might you do Pretty some nice. fillings that suck? Yeah, absolutely. We all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's all a matter of perspective. I mean, I, you know, what I look at is might be crowns, and other dentists might say right. fillings, but whatever. Fillings. Like it's Who cares? Kind of like I, I, you know. generally speaking, almost always the patient's going to be better off after they leave you than they are when they started with you. You know, that's just most of the time. Is that always the case? No. Like do like I, you know, I still screw stuff up from time to time, you know? Sure. Um, But it just, you know, like it's fine. It is, it is what it is. You got to get over this. You got to get reps and and get over this. So you need CE, you need to go back to school and and do a residency or do a, a AGD or GPR. Um, you need CE and you need a mentor. You need somebody who can sort of usher you through this. Like you have to be either be working for somebody or 
somebody else around the clinic that you're at that could kind of help you out a little bit. What are the odds that this person's just in a soul? Like they didn't buy a practice right out of school. Like they're not just like on their own somewhere. Probably not. It's gotta be somebody only, else there. Only an idiot would buy a, a practice right out of dental school. Is that what you did? That's what I did. <laughs> Cause I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the vast majority of people associate or or DSO or something like that. Maybe you find the DSO routes, the way to go. You know, the one thing that like people like talk shit about DSOs all the time, but there's, especially the good DSOs like Pacific and, and, and some of those, um, is that there's a lot of oversight there, you know, like, and there's a lot of opportunities. When I was talking to one, I mean, the one guy had, hadn't done anything clinical in about six years because as he advanced through the DSO, he became a lot more managerial. And so maybe that's what this person would like is managing dentists and not having to actually be doing the dentistry itself. Right. You do have to learn some fucking dentistry though, like to be able yeah, to you, do that. Yeah. You got to work your way up. So there's going to yeah. be... Cranking it for five months is not going to be like, oh, I, I got everything now. Like I'm ready. To, I'm ready. A to little early. Uh, Maybe early. I mean, I think there's probably more oversight in a practice like that than there is in, say, like a solo practice in South Dakota. You know what I mean? Like where we're, nobody sees what's happening in there, you know? So not until it's too late. Maybe, maybe working for a DSO or working for somebody that can mentor you or coach you. Um, you know, yeah. uh, how do you feel about uh, structured continuums like Panky or Dawson or Coice or Spear or LVI or any of those? How, what, what are your thoughts on those? I love them. I think they're great. Everybody should take all of them. So there's, there's certainly, you might also find an opportunity there. You can be in, now it's your turn, turn to be a mentor and help another dentist overcome what you overcame to get there. So yeah, they're all, I mean, I think this is really just rookie yips at this point. Yeah. At five months, I'm pretty sure. Don't make a, a rash decision because you're just, there's just no way you're going to be able to match what you can earn. Yeah. Especially over a career, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, just, absolutely. And maybe, you know, you're a little early for the burnout, but man, who says you got to be doing five days a week? Maybe you love dentistry on two to three and, and then do something else. Yeah. If you did three days a week, then go shadow a mentor for that, that fourth day, um, you know, and, and, and get that confidence up. You know, I, I think it's too early to pull the plug. I think it's too early to be making any rash decisions. And, and unfortunately, um, there's just not a lot of options for you without just fucking swallowing that debt and, and going back to school to do something completely different. Yeah. In your dental school class, did you have anybody that came to dentistry from other careers? Yeah. One was an accountant. One was a manager at UPS, like up in the hierarchy. Um, what were some other things? But yeah, dentistry is a second career for a, few, a handful. Yeah, I had we had a, uh, a, a an FBI agent who left the the bureau. Wow, go back to dental school. Good guy, really good dude. I I, I need to look up and see where that guy is because I, I hadn't thought about that guy in a while. But he was a good dude. Um, we had a lab tech. You know, I think that's a fairly common deal. A few hygienists yeah. and things like that. Yep. Um, a couple of people who had just like, you know, had sort of mid-level jobs, you know, like the accountant kind of thing, stuff like that. A couple of like former military people who had just been in the military, uh-huh. whatever that means. Um, sure. You know, there's something, you know, when you ask all those people about like what draws them to dentistry, there's like, I want to work for myself. You know, I don't, I don't want to, 
tired of working for somebody else, earning opportunities and the ability to like make my own hours and sort of, you know, forge yeah. my own way. Um, and so this is almost like the opposite of that. And, and, and I just have a feeling if you take the same dentist in 10 years, that there's going to be a completely different feeling here um, about yeah. loving the autonomy, loving the freedom yeah. and whatnot versus, you know, being locked into God knows, you know, what selling fucking two by twos for Benko or whatever. <laughs> right. It just seems like a rough idea. Looking at their post history. Um, there's some stuff in the subreddit of No Man's Sky, the game. No Man's Sky. Um, a fantasy science fiction game set in an infinite procedurally generated universe. So some sort of weird video game. Huh. Um, there's about five or six posts in there. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing all that, all that interesting. Here. You stick around dentistry, man. Take some CE, get a mentor. You're gonna be fine. Yeah. You're gonna be fine. You're you're gonna you will regret it, I think, if you leave. Probably. Lance, that's gonna do it for the for today. Okay. Um Merry Christmas to everyone. I'm sorry to have to put out such a fucking bummer um right before Christmas, but you know, it just is what it is. Like I, I couldn't come on here and just fucking pretend like nothing happened. And pretend to be cheery and pretend like I didn't have a care in the world. And tell me about your favorite Christmas song, Lance. You know, like it's just not, it just wasn't going to happen. And so. No. Um, I, I know it's a bummer to listen to right before Christmas, but uh, hopefully this, this will help you um, be thankful and, and be, um, be appropriately aware of how short and, and fleeting life can be and how we need to grab on to moments when we can, because they're not going to be around forever. And so this may be a chance for you to get to, to speak to some family members and loved ones and, and get to tell them all those things. Um, shoot us a rating. Um, first off, share this with your friends. If you have any friends um, who are in uh, crushing depressive states and, and need some fuel for that depression fire, tell them about the show. Um, that's how we grow the show. One new depressed listener at a time. Um, give us a rating. What's your favorite number, Lance? I'm a big fan of five. I love the number five. Um, I love, um, what is it? The five stages of, of grief. Is it real? Is it five? Yeah. Or is it seven? I thought it was five. I don't know. Uh, let's look here. Stages of grief and loss. The five stages of grief and loss. Holy shit. What are they? Is it anger, 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 and anger? <laughs> uh, denial and isolation. Anger. So that's apparently where I am. Um, bargaining. Depression and acceptance. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of five. Um, <laughs> iTunes. Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify for flicking through Podbean, flick five stars. Um, hit us up on the web, workinginterferences.com. Hit us up on all the social bullshits. Uh, Facebook, Working Interferences with Josh and Lance. 
Funny shit for Dennis and Dental Team members. Uh, Twitter at Winterferences, Instagram at Winterferences. Lance can be found on Instagram at DR Timmerman DMD. I can be found on Instagram at Joshua Austin DDS. Mash that follow button. Um, there's this song that plays on on the Spotify at the office. Um, I don't know, a few times a week. It's a John Mayer song. Uh, where are you at on John Mayer? I like we, him. We've not, I don't know if we've ever talked about John Mayer. I don't think we have. One of my favorite artists of all time. Um, we're roughly the same age. Uh, his album Room for Squares came out when I was in college. Um, and it was one of the first times it ever had this like, holy shit, this guy's writing songs that are about exactly the things I'm feeling at the moment. Uh-huh. And so it's interesting because we're about the same age. Like that's happened to me multiple times with John Mayer where he releases an album and whatever he was going through when he was writing the album is exactly what I'm going through at that same fucking time. The album just came out. Uh And so um, he and I just have this kind of close personal connection with John Mayer music. And um, I get it. Like some people think he's a douche. Um, I I don't know. You know, I've never met him. I don't know what he's like. Um, You know, I don't know why he dated Taylor Swift. Who the fuck knows? Like, you know, he's a guy who hasn't. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I hear shit like that all the time. Like, I oh, just seems like a huge douchebag. Like, oh, whatever. Like, I don't know. You know, I, I like the fucking music, man. I like the songs. The songs speak to me. He's got a lot of songs that speak to me. There's a song that comes on my Pandora, and every time um, it comes on, there's a few lines in it that make me think of Christmas time with Andrea's family. Andrea's family always comes and stays with us at Christmas time, and that was really the time that I got to spend time with Glenn. And it was, was the days leading up to around and, and immediately after Christmas. Um, and that was like the most of the time that I'd get to spend with him during the year. And I'd see him at other times during the year, but it was never for a few days in a row, like, it, like at Christmas time. Uh, and there's a song by uh, John Mayer. Uh, it's on, um, I don't know which album it is. Um, the Search for Everything, which came out in 2017. Uh, one of those albums that I just really connected with when it came out and it's called never on the day you leave. Um, and let me see if I can find the lyric here. Um, it's never on the day you leave that you remember Christmas Eve and all the things you miss about her crazy family. You'll know how lonely it is to see a little drugstore Christmas tree, but never, never on the day you leave. And so that song always comes on and, and that little chorus comes up and it just makes me think about Christmas with, Andrew's family and it came on the other day and I was like, I had prepped a crown and I was marking the margin on my Itero. Um, and I just like my knees like buckled and I just like fell back into my chair and I just like had to go into my office and just like deal with it for a second. And it was like, I just kind of lost it and, um, just sucks, man. It just really sucks. So this is, uh, never on the day you leave, uh, by John Mayer. Um, for Lance Timmerman, I'm Josh Austin. Peace. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Hug your kids. Tell your parents you love them. Call your brothers and sisters. Tell them how much you care. Merry Christmas, everyone. No, it's never on the day you leave that you wonder what you still believe in, and you can't remember why you said goodbye. You hear an old familiar sound And hope it's her when you turn around 
But never, never on the day you leave Love grows in the time it's been Since you last heard her say She'll cut her hair And move somewhere She don't owe you anything No, it's never on the day you leave You can tell how it's gonna be To watch a girl become a ghost before your eyes You wish you'd given her one more kiss To put away for a night like this But never, never on the day you leave Love grows in the time it's been Since you left Tell her She'll fight for you like hell Then force herself To like some other the day you leave that you remember Christmas Eve and all the things you miss about a crazy family you'll know how lonely it is to see a little drugstore Christmas tree but never never on the day you leave no never Never on the day you leave So maybe it'd be better off to write her And leave a little note right there beside her That says maybe we're not perfect But I'll be damned if I ever leave Damned if I ever leave Damned if I ever leave